Good afternoon, and welcome to How Living in America Affects an English Accent. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, special guest on the podcast today. Um, I'm obviously biased because comes from my area and uh, has gone on a similar, actually went on a similar path before me. Um, but, Dale, who have we got on the podcast today? to jump over. Yeah. Welcome, John. What's up, guys? I didn't realise you lived here way before any of us. Yeah. I thought you was kind of here when we did. I was looking at your notes and stuff. And No, no, no. I, I was uh, coming here in 89. But I was I was coming here on holiday before that because my sister lives here and her, her husband and her, the whole family moved over here. So it was an easy kind of transplant. I don't, not a lot, I don't think a lot of people realise that you were, you know, you were one of the first people who made that that journey and ended up you know here in some Californian area where all the magazines and stuff were but you you know you came out before Dale before Neil um, you know you were already settled in there by the 90s pretty much yeah yeah I mean there was guys like Jess Darnforth and Craig Campbell and those guys they came out but they all I mean only when, once when the sport died kind of in the late 80s they, they went back to England and uh, you know the sport kind of there was guys like Matt Hoffman who were progressing it, and they kind of just got, I don't know if they got pushed out, but oh, they just felt the pressure of having to ride at that level. I mean, I remember Craig saying one time, oh, people are doing backflips now, I'm done. That was it. And then I just, in, living in England, it was that, that you you get a job, you come home, you eat dinner, go to the pub. I wanted to ride my bike, so I was like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to fall in that habit, and I saw myself falling in that habit, and, I just uh, let's 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 go back a little bit. So you you where were you born? Crawley in London, um, and then moved to Wembley. Was in Wembley for I don't know until I was about five, and then my family moved to Slough there a couple of years, and then moved to Uxbridge. How long was you in Slough? As far as I can remember, like two or three years. Because you did one. I don't know if it was the first King of Dirt. It was an invert magazine, like. It was, it was before that. I wasn't even riding yet when I was in Slough. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I was like, I remember riding bikes back then when I was a little kid, but it wasn't, I don't remember it being BMX at that time. But they had a King of Dirt and you were in the, one of the pictures in the Mac from yeah, Slough yeah, yeah. at the yeah. track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got third there. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith, who runs Dig, got first. You had a full face helmet on, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. I was wore full face. Yeah. All right, so, I mean, you... You did good, and you did well in that first that first phase. Like the the eighties and stuff were good for you. You did, you did, you ended up doing well. You when when you moved back to like the West London area, yeah, you uh, you started riding with people and getting noticed. You were racing, but you were better at freestyle. Yeah, I just rode everything. Like we all, I mean, kind of we all did then. You know, like the right main reason I went to I started racing was because I just wanted to jump jump the jumps. You know, and Hillers and Hillers and track was close to me. So, do you guys know each other back then? In the yeah, I mean that was and that, it was a big scene. Yeah, like, that you, it's hard to explain anybody who didn't live through that first boom of the of BMX. What it was, what it was like when the clubs had a lot of people. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It was the Alexander, Dean Idiels, Simon Hayes, the Restor. Yep. I mean Hill and Hawks and Region Region mm. Nine so as well. It's a who's who, you know. Yeah, yeah. That, that track was amazing. Yeah, and I mean Region Nine, even racing regionals. You know, all the Edwards team would always be there. Yep. You know, a bunch of the sponsored factory riders who lived in uh, who lived in London. Lee Flavin, did he move? Do you know Lee Flavin? You must know him, right? He lives out here. I don't know him now. Yeah, no, nah, it's yeah. weird. I, I, I knew him back then. Yeah, 
I see photographs mm. of him skating. He always skated, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, so but then uh, you, I, I the first time I think I remember hearing of you doing something out of the norm of what everybody else was doing was when was it Neil Reve's quarter pipe in uh, you you Carl Fuller and Dean and Neil Reve used to ride it. Um, there was the one that I had in Uxbridge the the um, funny story was we because that was a famous ramp from yeah yeah we the, the first ramp we got was actually the one that Bob Haro had at the NEC it was going to get thrown away and one of my friend's dads was a was a union worker there so he got the ramp and, and brought it back there's so had, many pictures of oh people my god holding so many that, yeah yeah, yeah. That, that demo in the middle of the NEC with yeah. all those people holding yeah. the ramp we got it, but it didn't have a deck on it, so we had to build it. It was a piece of sh It rode like crap. <laughs> and then it didn't last very long, so we built our own one. But the, the, I think the ramp you're talking about was in Dagenham. It was uh, it was like a, on a cul-de-sac, like at the end of a road, and it was right next to the motorway, and we used to ride that. And It was like riding a 50-pence piece. Ramps back then, the technology on building ramps wasn't the greatest, and it was everyone was different, and they were pieces of shit to be honest with you <laughs> but you know that's, that's what we had and we may do what bikes were you riding up there in the early days um well cause I cause I was racing as well like I had a you know let me think about this my like my I had a super goose for a long time um it was a lot of like race bikes I, I wasn't into the cause you know in the in the early mid-ish 80s they started coming in with freestyle bikes that wasn't my I always liked the race bike look single tubes double triangle um, and like yeah I, I mean I can't remember bikes man it's, it's, I'm old and I can't remember <laughs> you remember your first like hookup sponsors and stuff yeah there was a bike shop in Usley called Hefts Okay. Mm, yeah, man. You know that one? Uh, yeah, yeah, they sponsored. They sponsored Psycho. They sponsored Anthony, the yeah. the racer kid who went pro out of nowhere. The kid from Hillenden Hawks, and he would yep. always race pro. What was his last name? I remember what you mean. Uh, yeah, so yeah, he, privateer ev guy, right? Ev everyone just called him Psycho. It was Anthony. Um, I'd, I've seen him on videos in Superclass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. always raced the highest class. Yeah. Hefts was cool. Hefts was cool. Yeah, it was. It was. He was a former road bike racer. Mm. They made their own frames, didn't they? Yeah, and he was—he was. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how his business did, but he was—he gave us hookups. He gave us deals on shit. And, mm. um, that was the first hookup, oh, and it, like, it was few and far, few and far between. You know, back then it was. Yeah. Would you would you say the first time that you really got a deal off of somebody was still racing, or was it when you'd moved into into the freestyle? Freestyle. I mean, it was. I never got. I never got anything for free until I started, started riding for rally. So how did that come about? Yeah. Just knowing Darren? Yeah, just going to the track and having the ramp at the having the ramp at, out back of my house in in uh, Cowley. Um, you know, guys would come over from the track once in a while and ride. Darren would, you know, he would he would ride ramps too, and we had jumps as well. So it was kind of fun, a little mix of everything. And then he just told his old man, and um, his dad showed up. I think his dad showed up at the track one day and was like. Hey man, you'd be interested in coming do demos for Rally? And I was like, well, you have to ask my parents. So he came over to the house and gave my parents a spiel about how I was going to be the next Craig Campbell. <laughs> you know, he was a, he was a, you know, he, 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 know, he knew how to schmooze people. Yeah. Right. So Jason Lund would have been on the team at the same time? 
Uh, no, no, I, I was on before him, and then... Paul um, Zach, right? Yeah. Oh, Paul yeah, Zach, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then go. me, like, our, we were like, yeah, there's this kid, Jason, because, you know, he used to race a little bit, but Nathan oh. Lunn used to race. Yeah. So I knew of Jason. I raced of, Jason. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people. A lot of people yeah. won't know because this is this is a history thing. But the Lund brothers, and especially Nathan, because he was younger, their riding style not only were years above them, oh, yeah. they were years well, ahead. Well, Nathan was a Dylan, wasn't he? So yeah. The same level yeah. As Dylan. Had that yeah. perfect, yeah. perfect balance point. Just knew yeah. how to naturally knew how to take jumps yeah. without anybody even. Yeah. yeah but sure. Jason, Jason was dude. Jason was gnarly. He's one of the most. I mean. No one even knows who he is over here, but one of the most talented people on on wheels. Or surfboard. Or, yeah, amazing skateboard, <laughs> skateboarding, mountain bike, motocross, yeah. BMX. Like, he won't touch a bike and he'll... Did you remember, was you there when he showed up to NAS? Like, in the, whenever yeah. it was, 2000? Right like, and did he do a flip or something with no helmet on Clive's race bike? Yeah, but something like he, that. He, yeah, yeah. he turned up on his, on his bike. He'd been riding Bristol and he rode vert at NAS one year. Actually rode the comp. Yeah. Like out of nowhere, yeah, I just I, him and him and Nathan. I think they're that that example probably of, of brothers who are a genetically blessed to start with. Yep. And then you have that brother thing where you're feeding off of each other or trying to push each other or whatever. Yeah. Sister was good as well. She was a good racer. Natalie. Yep. All of them. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Kind, of, kind of, of like a Ruffles thing. Like, yeah. yeah. Like the Ruffles family, they're all fucking good. So being on rally, I mean that. Well, I would have loved to have been on rally around that time. And, that, and that's yeah. what you, you yeah. sound like. I'll oh, go and do demos. I mean that yeah. was that was BMX was kind of peaking for the second time. Rally came in and threw a bunch of money. And that would have been like only the second or third time that a team was like, all right, we're going to take our riders on the road. We're going to go and do yeah. demos at shops. Yeah. Like so, that, that was almost a you know a new thing back then, right? Yeah, I mean it was. I was fortunate because like I, I, it was a period of time when Andy was, you know, he was kind of not new to rally, but pretty new. So they were dumping a bunch of money into the program and blowing it back up again. And so we did we did a bunch of demos with him all around England and in Ireland. And um, dude, he was a superstar. On that oh point. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was insane. It, it was it was nuts. <laughs> I, I do remember we did one demo and, and it was a bad time in Northern Ireland. You know. I remember us doing demos and kids were throwing rocks at us <laughs> while, we're doing, while we're doing a show. Like, this show is awesome, but fuck you, I'm going to throw rocks at you because you're English. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, 80s people were pretty mean, weren't they? Uh, yeah. I, went, I went there <laughs> in the 90s one time and it was uh, it was wild. I mean, even England, like school and stuff, some stuff people would say and do. And oh, it's it insane. Was, yeah. It's insane. It was wild. Yeah. Just going there and seeing it, it's, uh, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, but the, the rally thing was definitely you know I was grateful for it at the time. so you go to like rally dealers around the country because obviously every yeah, yeah. rally shops everywhere then weren't they yep yeah. exactly we nice little magic combo of having Sam on the mic as well yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, was, it was a good thing like me and you know Jason could go higher than Andy but Andy was just the ultimate showman hopping around yeah well it's crazy because there's a lot of tricks that people take credit for now that Andy was mm -hmm. they came to England saw Andy do nose picks or backwards drop ins and now they're, uh, you know... When he, when he did the world's first one on the Kellogg's, he's already been doing that trick So when he goes tour. on top of the quarter pipe and then hops yeah, around? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that was, I think that looks good. Right, and yeah, that, was the, yeah. that was the period that you were touring, right? Yeah. 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 We, I mean, I was at, we were at the Kellogg's. You yeah. know, obviously, we weren't in the competition. It was all like there was only you know, Terry people. Jenkins and, and Neil and Craig, and, and mm -hmm. it was only a handful of people. 
but it was pretty amazing. Mm. Was you getting like bikes and free like loads of free stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we you know there was we went to the rally factory a couple of times, and you just walk around with a shopping cart and just fill it up. It's crazy. Can't even do that anymore. No, no, <laughs> not even here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like watching their budgets. And yeah, don't, yeah. Don't take too much crap. Like, right. Yeah. But it was that was kind of. Well, you don't even invite people over now. Nobody gets invited over. You just get what what shows up. Yeah. You know, them shopping days of. Even GT, you know? I only had yeah. two small things with Rally. I had the, I rode from at the Kellogg's, so that was a short one, and they just gave me stuff and I gave it back. But then that really? period, that, yeah, but yeah, that was only. Crap back. I, I think I just gave it back anyway because it was uh, it was just the Kellogg's race and it was somebody else's. It was probably somebody else's bike, one of Darren's bikes. So. Oh shit! Um, but then when I had that period where more and large and Rally were talking, and uh, before I went on to Diamondback, um, like I went to Rally and it's it's next level. Like when it's you know. So it's hard to explain. It's like even even being on the mongoose team where they would have treated you really well. It's not the same as having a factory. Like it's, uh, yeah, I think it was nicer too because it was it felt a little more authentic because it was English and, mm-hmm. and something we were kind of personally connected to rather than yeah. just it was it wasn't through a distributor. It wasn't through like some real other, factory, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was a real deal. Like yeah. this is when it when Rally was English. It was you know they owned a whole town. They have a they have their own train system. They like it. A whole town lived and survived from rally. My mum worked at rally. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it was yeah. so you felt connected to something. Mm. It was, and you got treated good. I would have loved to ride for rally. I actually, when I was home a couple of months ago, I because it's right by our house. It's a yeah. smaller factory now in Eastwood, was a couple of miles from my house. So I literally went over there and. the the security card wouldn't let me in. I said, I just want to go snap a few pictures. There wasn't much to see, a few yeah, load, yeah. loading docks and that, but I wanted to get the rally. Yeah. I still never posted it up yet. I'll, I'll go back and, and do that. But yeah, I was. Yeah. I would I would love to read for rally. First time I ever raced against you was on rally. Yeah, yeah. In the mo- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tom Lynch passes all. Yeah. <laughs> so you you went from so from that period of time that would have been what 80, 86 when world. Eighty six. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then, how long did it take before? you started you know you started getting into other things and, and moving around well it was kind of like a, I mean so I rode for rally for both of the the whole shots because mm-hmm. uh, you know it was an open contest and um, obviously Andy Ruffle was running it uh, I think the second one I had a prototype rally frame there was only one of them and I had it built up and my bike got stolen at whole shop and I was having issues with um, Sam and maybe Jason a little bit a little bit of jealousy because it was like people getting a little more love than me and I was I was young I was naive and not I was like I was a shy kid to be honest with you so I was a little bit uh, upset about it so when my bike got stolen I just quit rally I kind of quit riding for a little bit to be honest like just wasn't interested I was just bummed out for a little bit and then um, just kind of stayed home and rode more freestyle and and I think that was like when the the, the uh, British Freestyle Association BFA showed up and started going to those contests and started making good friends you know like just those comps that I went to I didn't go to a lot of them back in the day but the ones I went to that one at Slough oh yeah yeah amazing <laughs> amazing like some of the talent, it blows my mind, like, some of the talent that nobody will ever know about, you know, the, the, the Scott Carrolls, the Stephen Laidlaws, the, the Dave Youngs, the, the Mike Cannings, dude, they would, 
we always thought looking in magazines because we didn't have video really too much back then the we always thought americans head and shoulders above everybody but then and we thought you know like guys like mike canning who were doing some of the most crazy variations and Stephen laidlaw and Craig, of course, and Neil, like we thought, oh yeah, they must be good, but not as good as Wilkerson or Dominguez you or whatever. Just yeah, it was an assumption thing. And then when when the Americans came over, we were like, oh shit, Canning is blowing Wilkerson away. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. but he'll never get the love that he deserves, but no one's ever going to know about Mike Canning. But the dude is phenomenal. Like, and I use that word in honesty, like he's just was amazing he was doing tricks that nobody else was doing and what was funny he he he's the sort of dude who it wouldn't matter what the contest was on he'd go there and there'd be americans there and yeah. he would always be as good as him yeah like that back that backyard jam the one with fuzzy like yeah. he should have won that yeah he's back still right down there yeah yeah he was a good all round. he was a good jumper and a good good quarter pipes nice bloke as well yeah he's awesome yeah good yeah. dude good dude yeah you must have rode harrow like then right that was your spot. No, that was my spot. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like, a lot of those guys never really came there. Like when I had a chance to bring them there, like there was the I can't remember if it was '86 or '87. We we went and there was a contest at Mons Ramp in Oxford, and that was when there was that like famous in action bike BFA um, uh, membership me- membership membership license burning yep, situation. Yep. And because I was there with Peel Hawkins and all the Skyway guys, because we were co- for rally, we were co-sponsored by it. Skyway. He's like, okay, f this, we're out of here. And, <laughs> and Craig was going. Craig and Neil were going to come into the U.S. like a, a month or two from then. Mm-hmm. And Harrow was one of the few places that had a like a half pipe that had a lot of vert, and they needed to learn to ride vert. So we went to Harrow that day, and it was like one of the few times I've seen that many pros there. It was like Carlo and you know, um, oh, there's another dude, Carlo Griggs. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, could go high as high as Hoffman. That's that's oh, yeah. that's the real stamp. When he was still riding yeah. and was young, and Hoffman was young, yeah. those two were hanging around about the same height, and that that just that in itself is enough, you know. Yeah, like, like I think the, you know, uh, with uh, Harrow, I don't think like there was too many pros that came there, but that was just one of those times that like I was like I seen some guys on a, on another level that I was stoked to see right there mm-hmm. and see them discover how. I mean, for me, it was my favourite park. And to this day, whenever I go back to England, I go, I'll go there and ride, you know? Um, but to see them ride there, was it was rewarding. Just to, they had fun and it was a good time, you know? Yeah. Seems like the same little kind of parallel story to England racing. A lot of so many great guys that never came to America and you would have, could have, should have. But guys, yeah, you, yeah. Like, you knew if that guy would have came out here and raced, would have, oh, we talk about it all the time. And totally some, pe- my name from some people just stayed home, didn't they, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Canning, like Mike Canning, like he came to States and he hated it. He he, he he came and he rode Wilkerson's Enchanted Ramp or whatever and he just hated the attitude, he hated the mentality, like hated the food. It was like, he's just British through and through, you know? Like, right, yeah. And there's people who like it, people who hate it. like. And I guess the, the, the trade-off wasn't good enough for him to like suck it up and stay and do good here. Because he, at the time he was riding for Skyway, he could have done whatever he wanted to do, you know? But he didn't like it. Mm-hmm. We got a couple of friends like that. And then you got Craig who, you know, he saw... I mean, it was kind of when street riding was kind of becoming a thing. And he was rebelling against, you know, the establishment, I guess you call it. But 
Um, he was on that Ford Curve, that. so was Jess. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Jess, Jess, and yeah, they, they, you know, they hung out with the Pete Augustins and Chris Days, and they were getting into just riding around and riding the street and bouncing off walls and grinding and pedaling. Amazing around. that that was the beginning of what, you know, you look at riding now. The most popular form of riding is that. Yeah. Like, and that was the very, very beginning of it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Dave, Dave Slade from England. I, I will, I will credit him for being one of the biggest influences on street riding like in the UK like he was years ahead of his time doing the weirdest kind of skateboard style tricks like bike like finger flips you know like on bikes and but yeah I mean you know he, he faded away and now he's a fucking big time movie producer but Twilight right yep oh really oh, yeah, yeah. No, oh wow yeah, yeah. does he live out here yeah he lives in Hollywood Oh wow! Good there. So yeah. would I if I directed or produced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... Your time's still coming. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, I try and I try and reach out to him, and he says hi here and there, but it's kind of like he's busy. He's on yeah. another level. Yeah. 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 It'd be nice to see him, but we had a, a the I think the first whole shot we did this thing. So I couldn't have been riding for rally back then at the first whole shot. We were, you know, we always used to wear leathers and and full face helmets and goggles and stupid shit. <laughs> He dressed up in my gear and went out and did my routine, but like, like with these weird street moves. Yeah. He's, he's a little bit shorter than me, so he's like, but it was pretty funny. Like no one, no one knew, no one knew. And I'm stood behind the judges' table, <laughs> and they're, I'm, they're like, "Next up, jump over." Okay, cool. And there's this dude out there doing these weird tricks with goggles on and a full face. You can't see who it is. And he's kind of built like me, but shorter. But like, and he got away with it. I wonder if people did that in racing as well, because it'd kind of be easy to do it back then, wouldn't it? On a muddy day, don't yeah. you, like if you had a full face and goggles yeah. on, somebody that's roughly the same build as you, but a yeah. couple of age groups above. I mean, in the in the crappy weather, you'd wear jackets and all kinds of stuff, waterproofs and oh, yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. I, I, and my thing is, I think if you were on the gate with somebody... It'd be like I, doping, I, wouldn't it? Yeah, like... but my, my thing is, I, I, I was so into racing, I think I would have sensed that it wasn't the right person. Or if right. they just I mean, jetted away from me and they normally didn't. Right. <laughs> don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, you know, yeah, I mean, fun times. Like, just I didn't give a shit about contests, really. I, like, I was happy with riding ramps, but the flatland stuff, we, we had to do it because of it was... Compulsories. It was compulsory, yeah. You had to do flatland <laughs> and you had to do ramps. Dude, uh, talk about an oxymoron. Compulsories in freestyle. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's like, and I didn't, I didn't want to do the flatland part of it, so I let Dave do it, and he had fun with it, and we just laughed and just would just kind of ridiculing the system i guess like so when you when you you had a, at, at some point you started stepping away from that and you got into some other things as well right you got into like what did you get into after that as what? well as the bmx because you were doing yeah, yeah i mean I, I know you know i never thought that i never thought that bmx was gonna go anywhere like it was something fun to do i never made any money from it so i was you know my dad's pretty working class so it was like you you leave school you get a job you have a trade you you, that's what you do you know and so I just I didn't have a plan I knew that I was good at with my hands making things doing things I didn't know what I wanted to do when I left school but it was right when they started the, that YTS the youth training scheme Same. and they put me in they're like hey do you want to work on cars I was like sure so I, close to my house was a, a body shop where we you know they restored cars and I went there and within a year the owner was like hey you know I, I want you to be work because you only work certain hours a uh -huh. day because of the UTS the yep, yep. YTS 
and I was like, he's like, you, you're doing good, you're progressing really fast. I want to, I want to make sure you're here all the time. How much do you want? And I was like, oh, 200 pounds a week. He's like, okay, no problem. That's good back then. Was, yeah, yeah. Was yeah. it less than you should have asked? 28 pounds 50 a week for YTS. <laughs> yeah, I probably, it was like, yeah, it was 25 quid. Yeah, yeah. Like, I should have asked for more, but like, I didn't know. I was, I, I shot, nah. I shot for the moon thinking yeah. I was shooting for the moon. Yeah. Right. And, and he's he, good though. And he, and he answered yeah, yeah. right away. I was like, damn, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just, you know, but I, I learned a trade from that. Mm. And he was working for him was one of the most valuable lessons I ever had. And, in a weird way, like, you know, it steered me into bike riding more. Like, he was always cool with me, taking off and doing contests on weekends. If I had to miss a Friday or a Monday, he didn't give a shit. And he was super supportive and just was proud of me. Like, when I have a picture, like, in a magazine or something, he was all, always stoked. Yeah. And you got to keep your YTS money as well. So if you yes. got paid, I remember you got to keep that 2850 yeah, yeah, a week yeah, as well, yeah. 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 So it's topped it up, you know. Yeah, yeah. They they stopped doing that cuz people were taking advantage of it, you know, cuz mm. like companies would get the kids from the YTS and just run them into the ground for 28 quid a yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, me. I I got experience that a bunch of times. Dude, I did carpentry, yeah. Yeah, yeah and they never gave me nothing more than that. Yeah, like they yeah. they not they have no plans of actually No. like, like just milking it, yeah. yeah pretty yeah. much, pretty much Russian roulette, depending on where you went. And, and they work you hard, yeah. Like you said, I was painting yeah. stuff all day and yeah. doing so, all kinds of stuff. So I, I was fortunate to work for somebody who kind of gave a shit. Yeah, and, gave uh, you a real apprenticeship. Yeah, it, and I was there for three and a half years, and that was right before I moved to the states. Yeah. So when when was it eighty nine around eighty nine ninety when you started? realizing you wanted to come and spend time here no well i was you know like i said my sister she moved here with her with her husband and um he worked for a company called mcdonald douglas an aerospace company and they paid for everything and i just i was like told my parents at the time we we moved to oxford i'm like this little this ain't this little farm town ain't for me you know i'm like I, I, I live in the city. I'm That's from, right, and you were born and raised in, even, even though you moved yeah. around everywhere, was pretty much within the London Underground system. Yeah, yeah, and, and I would always travel back to London, you know, like to meet up with all the all the all the guys. So coming to California was easy, but I was I'd come here on holiday, like on on you know summer holiday from school, the full six weeks, every every time, and then like after about the third time of coming, I'm like. Uh, yeah, I'm not going back. So I just... I, <laughs> Sounds I, familiar. Like, 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 I, got, I, I was like, I told my parents they knew. I got rid of all my crap. I got rid of my bike. I, I, I brought like a bag full of clothes and that was it. But my sister had lined me up a job painting cars. And she had a friend who had like a this like back alley car restoration place. It was like some of the shit I was fixing shouldn't have been fixed. But, <laughs> but it was... I, I jumped straight into a job. Yeah. So I was fortunate in that regard, and then, yeah. So I lived with my sister for a few months, and that that, that was testing to say the least. You know, you know, you know, siblings. Yeah. Um, and then I'd I'd met Sean McKinney, and he'd introduced me to a bunch of people, and one of them was Bill Ryan, who owns Supercross now, and I went and lived with him for a while. What what year would that have been? Where, where are we? Eighty nine. Yeah, I moved here on March 16th, 1989. <laughs> yeah. Pretty crazy. And what's funny is because it wasn't... A lot of people who came here, came here for the BMX after, but you, you'd just come here because you'd been here and seen how awesome well, it was. And, and it, was a quiet, it was a quiet time in the sport, but I also, like, I wanted to ride bikes, and just even if it was just for fun. 
Um, the weather in England is shit. Like, if, if I want to, in California, if I want to plan a to go camping six weeks from now, I know the weather's going to be pretty decent. Mm. In England, like, it's Russian roulette. Like, you're like, you don't know one day to the next. Yeah. Like, and winters there are pretty harsh. Trying to ride outside, you're bundled up with two pairs of pants on and jackets, and it's hard to ride, you know? And, and, and indoor spots are few and far between. Actually, skate parks are few and far between back then. Like, you come here and there was a lot more to ride, and yeah. the weather was much better. And you, know? you could ride it all the time. Yeah. But yeah. well, I mean, what's, what's funny is uh, you weren't, you got some coverage over here. But a lot of people in England would have been unaware that, you know, you were going through things here. Like, you know, you you learnt flips right around the same time or the same day that, that Todd and Connor yeah, learned. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a week span. Like, it was, we all, uh, the, so, uh, was it Jeff Cot- Cotter, the Flatlander, of all people, he learned him lake jumping. And, but he was doing him over, like, like a jump that was essentially a spine. Yeah. It, was like, it was like no, he wasn't getting any distance or nothing. And um, for some reason, like hanging out at the POW house, obviously Todd and Climber and everyone was on a mission to get it done. Um, so I went lake jumping and, you know, we all learned it around the same time and it was super beneficial. I mean, it actually helped a lot because I, I got a lot more, a lot more demos and started making a little bit of money. And you ended up, you ended up getting a sponsor over it. You ended up riding for... Well, I was, you know, I was riding for, I was riding for Vans a little bit earlier than that, doing shows for Dan Hubbard. But as soon as I learned flips, then all, I, I got a lot more. Stuff. That's wild how Dan still does shows now. He's amazing. Like that is, that is legit. He is the voice of Monster Supercross as well. Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On the, he's the live event. He's the voice you hear. Oh, okay. Cool. He's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, he still does demos, and he's one of the. I mean, he's done a lot for me. Like he's, Super pro. Yeah. But you know. Learning flips was fun. I mean, I, I, the, the funny story was like, the wild man had learned it, and we were at Sheep Hills, and we had a video camera, like a, like one of the ones. A big you one. Yeah, yeah, big, yeah, it was a, you know, <laughs> yeah. a, a, a VHS, VHS tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they had a, a mattress and a car cover, you know, like when you put a car I've seen that footage. I think there's pictures in like Ride or something, right? US and, Ride. Oh, dude. Mm. And, and they're like, like, Todd's like, you got it. Like, because I'd done it a bunch into the war. He's like, oh, you totally got this. You totally got this. <laughs> And there's like eight people around this car cover and they're holding the corners of it because what you do is you flip, you would kind of essentially just hit the car cover and they would like gently lower you on the mattress. Yeah. And I did it and I came around and I watched the footage and like... Five out of the eight people just let go of the car. Car. It's like it was that like, made him jump. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I came around. I got tangled up in the thing and then fell over. But I, I did the full rotation. And then I just, after that, I just got it. You know, like I messed up a couple of times and bent a bunch of forks. But, um, but just those are the funny stories when you're learning shit. Like, did that footage end up on videos and stuff? Alex? I said I saw I pictures in Ride magazine. I'm sure yeah, maybe, I did. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But like that was yeah. that was. You know, one of those funny scenarios where, like, you you think your friends have got your back. But, like, <laughs> your friends are more pussy yeah, than yeah. you are. Well, the, the funny thing is, like, in BMX, like, we, you know, our friends eat shit and we, we think it's funny. Right, like, yeah, like yeah. any, any yeah. layman's like, dude, is he hurt? Yeah. You know, like, we're just, like, giggling because we're like... <laughs> we're horrible. Yeah, we are horrible. <laughs> yeah, we're terrible. So did you, you, um... At what point did you get on Schwinn? Uh... So, with 
meeting McKinney. I met like a bunch of other people. We traveled to a bunch of the the BS contests after because you know the sport was kind of dead. It was pre X Games, so we would there was a, there was a lot of small contests like the scrap contest uh-huh. in Chicago, and we and we would travel around to those. And obviously, you make friends, and you'd ride, and people would see you. And I think the backflip actually helped there as well because Jay saw that I could do them, and I was already friends with John Paul. And the Schwinn thing, it was just blowing up, and they needed something. Jay was kind of managing the team, but also riding, and it was a lot to juggle, you know? So um, Jay put in a good word, John Paul put in a good word. They knew I had a good work ethic, so that, that's kind of how that happened. And you toured before? Yeah, yeah, I toured before. I, like, I knew what it took, and... And I know Jay was like, I wasn't as consistent as those dudes like riding. Like, I could, flips are easy. Like, yeah. once you do them, you do them. You can't really mess them up. But other stuff, like, you know, I wasn't as consistent as Jay. You know, Jay does a demo, he's hitting 10 out of 10 tricks. And like, look who's on that team as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the people who are going to be coming in and riding. Yeah, you got David Sato. You're like, dude, like, it was insane. Um, so I think he was a little disappointed on the ride in front, maybe, whether he'll say it or not. But on the other end of things, I always took care of business and, you know, everyone was always well taken care of and, and, you know, took care of all the touring stuff, the equipment, booking hotels, making sure they were taking care of all the contests. Um, Jay used to have you judge at Metro, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sign of trust after you've spent a large period of your life with somebody doing something. If at that point in the future they still trust you enough with that, that's your... Yeah, oh, see yeah no, he's... he's like McKinney, Dan Hubbard, and Jay are the dudes that have done, I would say, helped me the most. Point of interest, the park we're sitting in doing this podcast is right across the street from where, where Jay used to live. Yep. Oh, we did? Over there. Yeah, yeah, over there, the apartment complex. Amazing. So, <laughs> at, at what point did you, um, at what point did you have your accident? What accident? When you smashed your face. That was POW days. That was uh, was that pre-swing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The me and trainer. So there was a story about this in in. Uh, on, I know Dig did an, an article about it, like on on the website. But like, you know, people to grind rails the first time, and trainer and I, Keith trainer and I, like we were, you know, in, inseparable. Like when it comes to riding, we were always riding together. I was like kind of his his fucking Uber driver. Because um, he was broke and he had no money, but we would go ride together and we were like progressing and learning a lot of stuff. And we'd we'd heard that Chris Day was grinding handrails, and for the life of us, we couldn't figure out how, if you're sliding down a handrail pointing at the ground, how you pull out of that trajectory. So we were like, he must do ice picks down a rail, like. He must go down on his back peg. So he and I, <laughs> Keith and I, learned ice picks down rails. Before 50-50s. Before 50-50s. Yeah. And um, we were we were filming this video, The Ultimate Weekend, with Steve Emig. And uh, Keith, was, Keith did it first. And we hadn't seen anybody else do anything like this. We hadn't seen double pegs yet. We hadn't seen... We've seen people try bash guard slides on like ledges and stuff but not on a rail um, and then 
I'm home one day, Keith comes knocking on my door, and he had done one, but hooked his front peg, or his back peg on the vertical at the bottom and smashed his face. And it freaked him out enough to where he didn't want to do it anymore at the time. So when it comes to the video, I got the clip in the video of doing an ice pick grind. Well, because I did an ice pick grind and we go street riding with the POWs and, you know, we kind of kept the, the, the ice pick grind kind of secret, I think. So we were out riding one day in Long Beach and I did the exact same thing that Keith did, but I, I woke up in hospital with a bunch of teeth missing and a yeah. kind of broken eye socket. Um, that was, yeah, that kind of... Was that the first time you... I mean, you, you, you probably broken something bones at that point, but was that the real first, like, or was that, like, the biggest injury where... Well, that was, that was the one, that was the one, the first, that was actually the first and only time I ever woke up in hospital. And, you like, like just to, you really bashed your head. Like, yeah, 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 it was good. It was a good one. I mean, how, how that, that, that period of time after that, how was, how was that adjusting to coming back to being yourself? Um, I don't really well ironically I don't really remember that, <laughs> but, but uh, I don't really remember it I mean I, I knew I took some time off and the, the funny story was was I, I go like an, a good couple of weeks had gone by and I'm like I'm going to go over and pick my bike up from the POW house keep in mind I only live like a couple of blocks from POW house and I could have I could have gone and got it much earlier but I go over there and my bike is stripped down. All my parts are gone. Like I had Shimano, I had, I had Shimano DX gone. gone. Yeah. You know, like you know, like you know. What I mean, like it, it was. You know, my friends had took all my shit. Like, but I got it. It didn't matter. It didn't bother me because at the time I didn't want to really. Obviously, I was hurt. I think so. I kind of chilled out a little bit for on the on the ride in front. I, I honestly I can't remember how long I stayed off my bike. But and you were what, building jumps and stuff as well, right? Ramps and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that was natural. I mean, growing up in England, we built our own shit. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, but we were. Uh, that was bef that was before smashing my head. I, that was before I started building ramps. I was still painting cars, but then one of my my friends was like, "Hey, I, we have some friends that have a ramp building company, and they're like, do you want to come and work for us?" And I'm like. I have bikes and ramps that makes sense yeah so I quit building I quit building cars mm -hmm. and went and did that but ironically you build more ramps than you actually get to ride so yeah kind of backfires uh, yeah and so that was what I got I got into building ramps so that, that at that point are you <clears throat> what, that must be around the time you were living with Mola or is yeah that, is that a, a yeah 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 no it, it was we I was living with John Paul and, and, and uh, Chris and that was kind of the tail end of building cars and then I got into doing ram stuff because I was doing I was doing shows a lot on weekends and demos and, and going to contests so you meet a lot of people so when your friend tells you that there's a company that they're looking to hire somebody to help build ramps you're like makes sense yeah and the money the money was kind of better I was kind of I maxed out where I was at building cars and it wasn't good for your health you're huffing paint fumes and shit you know like, I mean, I, I, you know, obviously, I, I get the, I get the super insight at that point because I stayed with you for, yeah, three months that that yeah. winter. Um, I fucking like living in that house. That, POW I mean, house? No, no, the house on, uh, oh, was it on Magnolia or, or I don't know what's me. 
it, it's right by the freeway. It's right, yeah, by, yeah, yeah. right by the 405, I think on Magnolia, maybe. No, no not it's Magnolia, Golden West. it's Golden West. Yeah, it's Golden further West, that yeah, way. Yeah. Um, but it was, I, I, I couldn't stay where I was going to stay, I think. And then I ended up having the couch there. But it was, uh, with Mola living there and you living there, yeah. it was, it was I, I just, I don't know, it's every, all of my friends who came over here at that point, like everyone helped everybody out. I just, yeah. Uh, for me, I, I don't know. It's, it's not the same with everyone. Like you say, you said, we had people who came here and they just they weren't into it and then they went back. But I just, yeah. When I came here, the sunshine all the time, and, and it was all connected to riding. The fact that you could ride all the time, yeah, like just 100%. made so much. Hundred percent. Yeah. How long was you on Schwinn? From like ninety, ended like mid late ninety six till about two thousand and one when they fell bankruptcy. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you were, you were on a powerhouse. Yeah, team. it was. It was. They were owned by, I think Scott Racing when I got there, and they got it. Like they understood it was. It was maybe like you're not going to sell a million BMX bikes, but like road bikes is not really a good marketing tool. It doesn't really make you look cool. And they had a lot of Schwinn dealerships at the time, so being able to, I mean, obviously being around the X Games and Gravity Games. That was amazing TV coverage, having Jay yeah. riding for Schwinn. Brian. Brian, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I Shall we go see you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah, they, yeah. they fucking, yeah. that was some team. But, but also, yeah. also, we could show up at a shop, and not only can they see Jay Miron mm-hmm. or, or Joey Garcia on TV. Meet him. He can come and meet him. Yeah, it yeah. Was, it was amazing, and those guys killed it. Like Those, uh, those demos were like, it was... Everyone was pushing each other. I remember, like, I remember, like one time we were in like Nebraska or somewhere, like some out of the way nowhere. It was like a show for like twenty people, and some dude is just heckling Jay because he never sees him <laughs> sees him do flares. He's like, "I'll give you ten bucks if you do a flare." Jay does a flare, knocks himself out cold, <laughs> wakes up, and just takes a dude's ten dollars. Where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Like it was like a bet's a bet, you know, right? Yeah. And then Jay he did the rest of the show, and he was fine. It was insane. I mean, that's they they having that budget. What was funny is is it's it's similar to that blow up with the X Games and Sh- and Schwinn deciding to come back in. is super similar to that explosion in England and rally coming in. That's, that's, yeah, you experienced too good. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I, I do. I do. Yeah. Pay, I mean, I'm conscious of that similarity. Yeah. Like, crazy, like, right? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah two really powerhouses. Like you come in, you pick up the best dude or dudes, and you know. You, you make a presence alright so your, your rep as well as being a badass and you're riding and you know even though you're not in the magazines maybe and not full frontal as much as your team members or as much as some of the you know highly photographed SHL you're, you're doing that and you're in there but your rep within the industry and within people is that you are you're the solid work ethic dude whatever needs to be done you're going to get it done if you're on the, on the payroll you're going to so how long ago was it before you uh, you started talking to Etnies? Uh, Schwinn filed bankruptcy 2001, and then um, like up to that point, like in about I'm not sure when, but Rooftop had, had started writing for them, and he was trying to build something with Etnies, and they had started a team, and Joe Rich and Taj, and um, but Rooftop had stepped aside because he wanted to ride more and it was too much work for him being a mm-hmm. kind of a TM and, and, a, and, a, and a, a rider as well so they wanted to hire a full time team manager well they, they hired Nate Hansen but 
that didn't last very long. And I'm good, good, good friends with Nate. And I felt yeah, a bit weird, just like when Rooftop was like, yeah, this ain't working out with Nate. Do you want the gig? And I was like, uh, Nate's my friend. And I don't know how the rest of the guys on the team are going to take it. And so I let some time go by, about like almost a year. And um, I mean, they could have got somebody else in the meantime, but they didn't. And I, I wanted to make it was make sure it was cool with Nate that I took his spot and okay with Taj and Joe and those dudes and, and uh, you know, because Nate was still writing for Etnis as well. So it's kind of like mm. a, it's weird dynamic that I wanted to make sure everyone was happy with it, you know, like, so I took some time. I'd, got, I'd gone back to building ramps for a bit just to kind of, because my friends, they own the company that they, whenever I need work, they just take me back. Even yeah. now, even now they take me back. Yeah. Um, so I let almost a year go by and then I was like, okay, now everyone sh the smoke's kind of cleared. I'll sell. Yeah, yeah. I can, like, I'm okay with this. And then that was when, that, I mean, that was 2002. And I mean, what, what, what a time, what a time and what a company to be the team manager of. I mean, if you didn't live it, you won't remember, but there was a time where maybe 40% of the people who rode had etnies. Yeah. And maybe <clears throat> 75% of those were that Vallely too. Oh yeah, for sure. That shoe was so popular with riders. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a, and then for them to then put the money into BMX, and, and I mean, they they did, they made some some awesome moves. Yeah. Like the image, the image that they gave their company, and that's you know when when you haven't got people who you've had in the team for a long time and you're starting pretty much from scratch, it's it's easier to do that. But they really did well. That yeah. you know, rooftop Joe and Taj is a. <coughs> That's a, that's a beautiful first three people. I, I think they were the, the, the dynamic that they had was good because it was, they always included other riders in the If, if somebody was going to come into the mix, it had to be kind of a unanimous decision. It wasn't like, we don't want anyone who's going to upset the, you know, rock the boat. You know what I mean? Like We want the people that we're excited yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. We, want, and we that way, want Ruben. We, we, yeah, we, we want people that we're going to be able to go on the road with, film with, not want to kill. Like, <laughs> so it worked, you know, like... Because it's... Uh, and right about this time, we're talking about the... This is a transition over from, you know, riders not just popping up at events and then being in magazines from events and whatever and maybe getting... Like, this is a thing where people are actually now... They're starting to, you know, video everything. Yeah. You know, props is starting to become a thing. Like, oh, yeah, it, yeah. it's... So, Etnies really jumped on that. Their image was that. Yeah, like yeah. it wasn't it wasn't an image that was something else that had changed to that they seemed to come in with that yeah. and even in England when you see the people that rode for Etnies and were in the Etnies ad um, you know all John's crew oh, like yeah, all sure. the union all ran that yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so that, that sorry the question I'm getting to is that must have been nice to be that company for to be asked to be TM for that company yeah I mean it wasn't something I like I had nothing to do with that you know it was nice to be able to step into that and and kind of make it work seamlessly without having to like, because I always feel like there's people come into companies and they, they want to put their stamp on it. They want to make their, their, their like move to make it, you know, I did that. I didn't need to do that. Like I wanted just, to, I wanted to augment it and be part of what they were doing already and just take it to the next level because yep. it was already on a good trajectory. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were in the, like the 11th hour of finishing up Ford, the video Ford. Um, so it was already on a good path. I mean, that's crazy. You were at least TM. And that what a cool came. job, man. Dude, and when that yeah, video yeah, came yeah, out, yeah, yeah. you were the TM of the team when that video came out. I mean, I, 
guys had a good travel budget, obviously, just to travel yeah. around. And I stuff. mean, that, yeah. that team. It, it that was, team. It was the, the brand at the time, like, it was on an upward trajectory. You know, like, um, all was, their brands were doing good at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, on three with Rocky. You know, it, it was coming off of coming off of kind of like the dead period in like bike riding. You know, like so. And they were like the rider or the skater owned brand. So like, because there's a lot of brands that are not, even though they say they're skater owned, they're not. You know, like they were making bad moves and just doing weird shit. And Etnis was had the dudes, whether it be skate. Mm. BMX, moto, whatever they, they they had the dudes, surf dudes, like had the best of the best, and it was like it was on an upward trajectory. So like budgets were good and and business was good, and it obviously the internet wasn't so prevalent. And um, it might have been even the Etnis thing might have been even bigger if social media had been around at that. Oh point. my god, dude! It was, it would have been amazing, but like we had a lot of loyalty from the accounts and and uh, you know. Just having good budgets, you know, it makes a big difference. Like, there's other brands that like have, you know, publicly traded companies that, you know, these outside entities throw money at it. Like Mola said in his Unclick podcast, he's like, you know, when you got money, you can look cool. Like, you can pay to be cool. But when you're doing it organically, grassroots, and doing it from the bottom up, it's a little hard to do when you. It's a little tougher, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you, did, so, did you enjoy that, but like, you know, it's, not many people would know the intrinsics or the ins and outs of, of being a TM, but was that whole, that whole time when you were full-time and doing that, was that, was that fulfilling? Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, you lived it, like, 24 hours a day, you know what I mean? Like, you, like you were so, you were, it was a part of you, because you, you felt you were doing something that was... Uh, would you, like, take your bike and just do what other guys are doing and stuff as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, it was always, you know, any, any trips, I'd always take my bike and just be kind of getting the mix, you know. Obviously, those dudes are on another level, but it's it's still fun to ride with them. And, and it, it's a, it becomes a mutual respect. If I wasn't a guy that rode a bike, they'd be like, I'm a little bit on the outskirts, yeah, on, on the outside. Yeah. you got to be like, you got to get him in there with them, you know. Um, How what well, like for the guys because it's, it's different being a, I've done the same thing team managers in the 90s and 2000s the team manager now is completely different obviously before social media and all that stuff yeah. like, what would like be requirements and that stuff do before the internet with the guys you guys got so much coverage I guess there were so many magazines weren't they yeah I mean you know I'm not sure if you're asking like as far as like you know what you'd say to a guy if, if you picked up a, a pro you know what would his requirements be oh, I mean yeah. obviously rep the brand mm. as, the best you can be an advocate for the brand be a spokesperson for the brand make sure branding is visible you know they'll get photo contingency they'll get a paycheck they'll get travel expenses mm-hmm. like budgets. All, all, all those people on that team yeah. are so, so trustworthy and <coughs> doing what they're doing they, they, they did what they were supposed to do right yeah, I feel like it's a little bit different they like everyone wants to be a skater and like it's a lot more difficult but um, back then everyone got it you know because they were getting treated right like mm. you know if, if seems like always the best BMX phases are where everything dies, a bunch of people keep doing it, and then when it comes back, those people who've been doing it, get it. secretly underground, yeah. they're the ones who then get the shine and, and get to come through. And normally, that journey of becoming that with no money makes them not a dick. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you end yeah, up yeah, with yeah. a lot of really, yeah, yeah. I'm really, I'm, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 
I'm shining that team back then, but you know, you think about Joe, Taj, yeah. Rooftop, yeah. Ruben, you think about going on road trips with them dudes, like they're all dudes you would want to hang out with. Yep. On top of that, they're also the most legit badasses on the face of the planet. And then they sh- like, they've shaped they shaped a lot of writing. Yeah. You know, like yeah. so progressive. And, Joe's and, so and, and, and at the time Etnis was in a position to where like if you know, Joe wanted to build a ramp at the back of T one. They had the money to help him do it. If if Taj wants a, a a flight to go to Cologne for the Worlds, here you go, Taj. Like it's a little different now. Like trying to budget ahead for that stuff and the way things are these days, it's like we can't do it as free as, as frivolously as we could back then. And there was, you know, there's there's uh, checks and balances these days. What are we getting out of it? Like you know, and back then it was like you trusted that guys were going to do their job, and they did. It was. Like, <sighs> You know what I mean? Like, that, that period of time, man, that was the team. Yeah. You'd be more than their, their frame sponsor then. You would be paying for the travel and stuff, would you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because in racing, it was always the other way yeah. around, where your main bike sponsor would pay for your travel, but obviously, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. different. Yeah, that time, them dudes had, had money coming in from different places. But the, but the shoe brand, had, like Vans or Edna's, yeah, 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 would yeah. be the big source yeah. of yeah. paying for the travel and well, everything. And I'll say yeah. Rooftop is, is the person that kind of set the tone for that because he, he came in there... And, and like he's, he, he has a tall ask like he's, he's like but he wants to be treated right he mm-hmm. knows, I hate the term he knows his worth mm-hmm. he knows if, if you invest in me I'm going to do a lot for you mm-hmm. and, and it seemed like there's a lot of brands that just kind of give you as, as little as they can to get away with as much as they can and he set a tone because I mean he comes from a he, he was around a lot of skateboarders who were getting treated really well and he, he classified like he put himself on that pedestal yeah he, like he he upped his worth and um was like you know guys need like when he went to Etnies and they didn't know any different because they didn't have a bike team at this point and they had no relationship with bike teams Mike's like, treating him like a yeah. skater yeah it was like and line it with skating yeah Mike's like okay if we get a team they need to get this mm-hmm. this this and this and get treated like this and, and that's what it was it was like they got treated right whereas it seems like nowadays it's like Brands want to get away with as little as they can. Yeah, rooftop needs to maybe become some <laughs> BMX race brands right now yeah, yeah, yeah. and teach them how to. I mean, how to treat, you know, how to do I mean, it. <laughs> that could, this could branch off in a whole different subject, but just the, the infrastructure of BMX compared to some of other bike sports is very lopsided. Mm-hmm. You know, funny. I think the industry. I mean, I don't know if you you see it, but I think with the pandemic the industry's done well over the last two or three years yeah but I'm not well I'm not chasing the BMX money anymore so I'm not really looking there but I wonder how much of that money's coming coming back to people well I mean obviously supply chains are a problem but I also think that you know this is where like Mola has a massive influence on this because it seems that anything he does people will you know follow other brands will follow that's what I'm saying like Kids have been taught that BMX should be cheap and affordable. I disagree. We're, we're flooding the market, and you, you you reach a ceiling of pushing so much product on people that now you've got to like get more product to them, and, and rather than just pump the brakes, create more of a more of a demand than a supply, and want people to come back for more. Mm. Like frames are far too cheap. Shit's too cheap. Mm. And it, they got like, you know, kids are jumping off of buildings these days and they're bummed when their frame breaks in a year. It's so crooked. Yeah, 
and it's all, but it's always been a, it's always been a, you know, there's not massive, massive markup unless you're in the middle of a boom, like unless you're in the middle of a boom, like maybe that the ET boom, or maybe maybe for for freestyle and riding bikes the the. Tony Hawk doing the 900, Dave Mirror doing the double flare, that, like, yeah. BMX being on legit TV, like... Yeah, but still the bikes are the same price. That, you know, so you got some of these riders who are demanding or asking these brands to pay them more when, you know, there's infrastructure in that company and, and there's employees and insurance and buildings and materials and blah, blah, like, and if, if, if the brand... The brand could ask for more of a, of a of a an item, then they would have more to put back into marketing and and their riders, you know. But a lot of, a lot of them are just. I mean, there's brands like use Mutiny for an example. Like, you know, everything that came in went back out, and they, they couldn't afford to pay anybody because yeah. there's so much going on. Yeah, it's funny, man. I uh, you wonder like bike sales over the last three years must have been good but it's how much has the pandemic cost people money as well oh yeah so and obviously those you know with nobody being on TV and there being no events like outside sponsors like you know it must be tough well and I mean like just everything's gone up in price like you'll talk to some of these bike manufacturers like where a container of bikes to come from Taiwan used to be 700 bucks it's now 2700 bucks yep and then a kid, a kid who's riding those bikes, like, where's my paycheck? Yeah. Well, it's in that container right there to get that bike to you. <laughs> Trouble yeah. is, that container's stuck between here and yeah, Catalina. Yeah, go see Wildman's <laughs> social media <laughs> for the update where it's coming yeah, yeah, yeah. in. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, we're going off on a tangent here, but it's like... I wanted to ask you, John, like, um, Betton is now as a rider, then what would you ask, you know, a guy that's coming to ride for you guys? Because you're, oh, hang on, yeah. so to get up to speed. So you, you were there full-time for a while. Yep. Then you took a little <gasps> sabbatical. But you're back at Edney's now, right? Yeah. Um, in 2018, um, I went on quotation marks vacation. Um, went back to building ramps. And then mid-2020, they asked me to come back because they didn't really have anybody taking care of the bike team. And I'm, I'm there now on a, on a uh, much lesser basis. I don't have to deal with any contracts or paperwork or whatever. Um, just kind of keep industry relations, rider relations, making sure dudes get their gear. Um, doing the social media thing for them. Um, they, they have a mountain bike program now too, so I'm taking care of that. Cool. You guys sponsor uh, Seminic, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So red. Yeah. Anything. Yeah, I just. I like yeah. how breeze like everybody breeze through everything on social media. When something with him in, it's like watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he came, like he. The funny story with him was, yeah. I brought him to like, this kid hit me up, so I don't know too much about mountain biking and if I'm honest back in the day I wasn't into mountain biking like I was core BMX that was it like, I didn't want nothing to do with that shit um, but this dude comes up like literally a kid like 20s early 20s he's like hey man you know can I get some shoes blah 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 I'm like eh. I looked I, I, I saw some coverage he'd had and it was I was like damn this fucking kid's good man like, like he looks good on a bike he's versatile like, so I hit up one of my mountain bike friends who used to work for Schwinn, Jeff Lanowski. He still rides to this day. Um, I was like, hey man, what about this kid, Brandon Seminole? He's like, that kid's the future. And I was like, okay, I'll hook this kid up. So we started taking care of him. 
and I was like as he progressed and started doing more and more stuff I'm like we need to do more with this kid and they kind of didn't really listen and then I went on vacation and then they decided to do something <laughs> but now they, now, now they got no one to take care of him I <laughs> say so you got it well means you come back you got something else to come back to yeah yeah so that was kind of like they needed somebody to take care of the riders and somebody who would like just be um, keep the relations between the riders and the brand and yeah. kind of put out fires because you know riders don't understand the, how a company works and oh. they, they, they want a paycheck they expect a paycheck they don't realise there's a whole process in place and I wanted to ask you because a lot of racer guys listen to this um, so what would you you know maybe can learn a little bit from it what would you you know require of a, a guy you sponsor now and it's you know what would uh, so so much social media oh yeah, that, dude, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean about, just as, as long as you're including the brand in a lot of what you do and, and um this is so the, the social media thing is a double-edged sword because a lot of brands now, they, they're now feeling like or too they, made up well they just they're relying on the writer to create content rather than the brand not, they don't have the direction they're not yeah. they haven't got their hands on the but, but you know like before, before just take social media out of the equation you'd have to make ads to go in props you'd have like Etnies would have to make videos or, or print ads to go in ride or whatever now social media is just so like you know on the daily it's just they're relying on the writer a lot more to do what the brand should be doing yeah it's almost like the the, the it's the writer's image is even more important because yeah they're putting it out there without yeah. it going through a company's veto and shining it up and making it look yeah, yeah, a certain yeah. way and, and as long as as long as a, a writer is you know including the brand and everything they do and not trying to like um downplay it or, or i mean I, I guess it you got to take into consideration where the writer is in relation to his other sponsors and who he's who he has preference for mm-hmm. or who he has who takes priority over which brand like if you're just flowing some dude stuff you're like okay i get it i can't really ask Telling too much to of him but I mean, I, you know, I do, I ask of all the guys that I flow stuff to and pro team guys, give me a piece of content, one piece of content a month. Okay. It's not that hard. No, and if, we, if we're doing initiatives, please try and repost it. And, and I, I don't want to be militant about it because right. it creates a bad flavor. Yeah, in the yeah. <coughs> but in this day and age, it's something that once you're getting a paycheck, it's part and parcel of it. It's hard feeling that, uh, yeah, that middle thing of not being a dick, but wanting some, yeah, wanting yeah. something out of it, you know. And, and we have yeah. we have contracts with guys, and we try to make them like it would be really easy to be like, you got to do this, this, and this, and this. But I, it yeah, kind of, like I was saying, like the, the skateboard mentality is kind of come into it a little bit where they they more relaxed. If you push it too much, yeah, and try and put too much like black and white they'll yeah. go the other way yeah so you, you uh, like I, from my standpoint I've always been a bit of a chameleon where I can um, depend on your personality and depend on you know how you are as a person I can kind of talk with you in a rational way rather mm-hmm. than being like, like I could be the boss mode and be like just militant about you gotta do this do this, this. I'm like, like I don't think that's the way to go you gotta help cut. direct him a little bit Direct them, be yeah. cool with them, like just. I mean, that's that's part of the job, isn't it? That's what yeah, you're, being you're a getting paid. You're getting paid, so you somebody else isn't having to listen to that shit yeah. and deal with it. Right? Yeah, like I've 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 had discussions with people that I work with. I'm like, yo, you need to back off because you're pissing this dude off. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want this guy to 
if you want to get results out of this guy, like you're gonna to have to just chill because mm -hmm. yeah, do it yourself. Yeah, like like let me talk to him. Yeah. And that's 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 that you know, you are the liaison between the brand and the and the athlete. Yeah. That's yeah. what's missing in rider, there's not many of those type of people like you, you know. It's just yeah. normally the brand and then the then the rider, you know. And I know you you guys sponsor Tyler Brown? Yeah, Flo. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler Tyler's been awesome. Like it, it, funny story with him was like let's go back to like two thousand and nine or two thousand and ten. Soltech was much bigger, and we had this thing called the STI Lab. It was where we tested product, like tested shoes, tested materials. You know, we would produce a shoe, and they was like they had all these computers and models, and it was insane. And at the time, I was pushing to try and get a, a race clip shoe mm -hmm. for BMX because Shimano had just backed out mm -hmm. from all sponsorship, and I was like, "This is a golden opportunity." Yeah, yeah. And Tyler had come to me. He's like, "Hey, man, like Shimano just backed out, like." Can you hook me up with some flats? And because mm -hmm. he was riding flats as well as clips, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And it was just moving so slowly and so slowly. And then, kind of, there was a recession around 2011 or 2012. We shut down that lab, and it just never happened. Mm -hmm. And then, fast forward to where we are now with the mountain bike thing, we've now just released a, a clip shoe. But it's I see that yeah, it's yeah. a little more of a, I'd say like mountain bike downhill shoe, but it, it yeah. Tyler's been using it. A couple of other, you know, Dooley and those dudes over in the UK, they've been rocking it. Oh, cool, yeah. And so they've been testing yeah. it, and it works. It's just not as... Shout out Jim Dirt, Jump Club. Yeah, Jump Club. <laughs> That's Ian Morris's deal, man. He takes care of those guys. Um, it's not as, like, tap shoey. Right, it's yeah, more, yeah. It's, it's a normal-looking shoe. Yeah, it's not just look good. No, yeah. clown shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's like not, not... You ain't, like, tap dancing or anything. No, no, no. Like, you can actually walk... For some blue. You can walk around and not sound like a... Or not walk around like you're in ski boots. <laughs> and the pants have got tighter as well for races. Oh my god, yeah. What's your? Th I want to ask John because he's looking in, and I know he, I know he looks at it. What do you think of racing now? What's your thoughts? What could we be doing better? I've always told it, Tyler, you need to dirty it up. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, obviously the once clips came in. Thanks, Lopes. Um, <laughs> and King. Yeah, like it, it, it became a lot more athletic, mm -hmm. um, and and generations of riders it's like a little tough to take it back you know what i mean like but i've always just said just dirty up give it a bit more of a raw image you know like mm -hmm. it, like it seems like the market inside of it like with freestyle or what, what you consider freestyle street or ramps or whatever or park riding there's there's a lifestyle image attached to it with racing it's it's very very athletically based mm -hmm. and I, there's there's not enough images in it like Back to like when there was like dudes like, you know, Pistol Pete. It was like, mm -hmm. you know, he looks like Anthony Kiedis from the Chili Peppers. Or yeah, like, yeah. Like it was kind of cool. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. just just have a bit of an image so you could create like some some marketing around that person because he looks different or he's, you know, just uh, you know, obviously no one's no one's no one's out there, you know, uh, wearing jeans racing, but you know. Because everyone wants to get that little bit of an edge, mm -hmm. but I just think if you guys uh, chilled on the shaved legs and shit, <laughs> uh, yeah. that, that I mean be... it's hard if you're unless you've been born into it and you've been doing it since you're a kid. If you're like 13, 14, and you decide you want to do that. It's uh, all of a sudden you turn up at the race. And, well, I mean, I don't know at what point you would realise. Oh wait a minute, I need shoes that clip to my pedals, and I'm probably all right. I need a full face helmet. I'm gonna. So by that time, I don't know, by that time you get to there and you get racing, like that thing of just, let's just go racing and sign up and race and see how it goes. Yeah. 
That's what I'm saying. You can't go backwards. No. It's, it's like, <clears throat> but my thing with that was, and, and it's not, I mean, I, there could be a, I mean, I mean, they do it in the UK and maybe here, I don't know, because I don't follow race too much, but, you know, when one or two dudes are clipped in, they have an advantage. Mm-hmm. But now everyone clips in. No one has an advantage. No, I know, I know. It's, yeah. it's kind of like, but you can't go back because everyone's going really fucking fast now. Yeah. And jumping big jumps. And it's, I mean, I watch old races and they're kind of slow. Mm-hmm. In comparison, yeah. You know what I mean? Especially because the, tracks, to me, the tracks now have flow. And they're smooth. they got frigging black top berms. And they're, they're ice, you know, they're, they're just icy smooth, you know? <coughs> but... You can't go backwards. No, and, and no. like we we come, we're old, so we we have this, we have a, a, a heritage, you know, and, and a, what we grew up doing, we consider to be the authentic BMX. But what they're doing now, I'm sure they feel the it's same their way. BMX, That's yeah, their BMX. It's, yeah. it's their version of BMX, and anyone who like, if you look, Donny Robinson, or you know, what I mean, like when he came along, he was a badass. Like I watched, you know, I go to went to the Grands a couple of years and. He's doing no footy cans in clips, like <laughs> tiny. Like, how the f- are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Like, but that's th- that's the progression of riding, and it becomes natural. He at some was really that he was like the first era that had grown up. On. Yeah, yeah. People like Donner, when, when when it was a debate, you know, with Neil and, and Robbie in the early two thousands, when you know some others were clipping in, and then obviously some weren't. It was a debate. Donny was the young kid coming up, so when he got in the conversation like this, is this is all I know. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't even. Exactly know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like yeah. You don't know and that was and that was twenty years ago. So yeah. now it's not even. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask, ask yeah, all those guys yeah. to go back. They're not going to do it. No. no. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to start getting pedals to the shin, and they're going to be like slipping pedals everywhere, and they're like, "This is I mean, that's, uh, those supercross tracks. If you were to slip pedals, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Those supercross tracks have only ever been used by people with. Mm-hmm. I mean, people practice on them in flats, but the race is only ever happened in the clip. So you. you there isn't it. Well, it's just like I say, it's not a debate, it's not a conversation with no. these guys. We're just so that it's a different world. No, for it's them, just, you know? it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. their world. It's what they started in. It's what they grew up in. There is yeah. no, there is no flat, flat pedals don't exist in their world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back from a small break. So Olympics. Yep. We just, we just had. Uh, Relations been in for a couple, but we just had freestyle just in it for the first time. So you. Uh, you were intrinsic in the very, very beginning of this, like the beginning of the uh, IBM X double F. Yep. Um, so tell us a little bit about how that came and, and what, you know. Transpired. Yeah. Um, the, so, the, you know, there was the rumblings of the Olympics were happening and uh, so we essentially started having meetings at every big event, like backyard jams, um, the worlds or whatever and like there was like like Matt a lot of movies and shapes yeah yeah it was essentially we brought everybody in that we thought would have some kind of influence in in their region or bring something like, like bring something John Parker Jamie or Matt Hoffman uh, Ian Morris Gary Ream Stu Dawkins Gary Ream yeah. and Mike Jackie who was his like, yep. right hand man yep. um, myself not that I was on their level but um, Bart and Zach yeah, yeah, Bart, there Bart Zach, it was, it was, a, it was a who's who. Um, it didn't seem like there was any movement from meeting to meeting. Like we were given, we were given tasks, you know, and they created a website and there was like an agenda and like every meeting we would go over a bunch of shit. We all got done what we we're supposed to get done, and then there was a, 
Gary Ream was like from day one Stu Dawkins at the first meeting was like Gary what are you getting out of this and he couldn't say it he couldn't say I want Woodward to be the Olympic training facility he couldn't say it he didn't say it he just tiptoed around it and so he lost everybody's trust um, but he was in every meeting and then from meeting to meeting he was doing shit behind the scenes that we weren't seeing and then Matt was doing his best oh Dennis was there as well and like they were they were going to meet with the UCI and uh, you know IOCs and all that like all those funny funny letters and, <laughs> um, and they were making progress and they were recognised IBMX was recognised as the governing body of BMX freestyle globally and there was there was a lot of guys like 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 Ian or or Stu or whatever would would create the the, the UK contingent. Um, Matt and Dennis did the US contingent. There was guys who did the, the Czech contingent, then German, then France. So there was there was entities from around the world, and we all come together at these meetings and discuss what was going on, and so we could progress in a, in a in a manner that was conducive with Olympic rules and regulations. The one thing that was very prevalent was. We wanted to keep it freestyle. We don't want uniforms. We don't want, like, guys should be able to represent the brands that have been their sponsors forever. We can't just be having these umbrella sponsors. And so there was a, that was a stumbling block, I feel. In the meantime, we didn't know that um, it, it kind of fizzled, right? Like, so, and then all of a sudden, one day, the Feast guys are now kind of the governing body didn't know how that happened but apparently Bart had like you know took matters into his own hands and took control and it was you know it needed to happen kind of I mean for or against what the IBM XFF was doing it was progressing but not at the rate or what needed to be done in 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 the IOC's eyes or UCI's eyes whatever so then the Feast guys got involved and it actually started progressing and we, we are where we are today like some people are happy some people are not it is what it is mm. I think the Olympics as a whole it's not my version of BMX but I think it's it's already shown that it's been beneficial mm. it's not a bad view of BMX to show the public you're no. showing them the very very pointy end of of freestyle competition same as you are in racing you're, exactly. you're just seeing the very very pinnacle of it and that's not necessarily a bad thing no. I mean they, they ran they ran freestyle on Saturday night on yeah. NBC yeah. like and that's I mean they the first week they, and John will tell you now when you deal with the IOC and you find out all the ways that things work they put those events at certain times because they know they will have the yeah, best yeah, team get the eyeballs, yeah. so the fact that coming off of snowboard halfpipe they then went into the Olympics and the first time skateboarding and BMX was in there yeah. they showed in America at 8 o'clock on Saturday yeah. night two weeks back back to back yeah. that just that in itself meant that so many people saw that yeah, I mean, it's, like, and, and it's it's a shame. It's not well. I'm I'm on the other side because England won, so they're getting that massive boost if they got two medals. Exactly. America had a terrible, like for the inventors of the sport and, and for it being America, they had a terrible Olympics. They're a terrible show. They got what did they get? One. They got one medal, right? They got the girl uh, second. The girl got second, yeah. and nobody in Paris. racing, and yeah. uh, nobody in men's freestyle. Yeah, I'm stoked. Like, you know, I heard all these stories for the from the UK like, I'm just, just so happy that 
hopefully it injects a massive amount of interest in it like don't get no better than that like mm. especially for girls in the sport like, oh, it's amazing you know what I mean? yeah. and I mean Jamie Jamie choreographing that run like and being there and, and you know I, I just I having feel, done that with people which, uh, I felt Jamie did obviously Jamie is one of the top dudes ever to ride a bike on vertical period but he also knows how to put a run together and he focused on guys strengths but also focused on their weaknesses and made them put together a calculated run where I feel that Team USA were kind of allowed to do what they want to do without any strict guidelines that's where I feel like so when Hannah got her first run and got she was crazy celebrating score. like she won and and the judges gave her they did her a disservice like they gave her a score like they knew she had won yeah now Charlotte comes in and they're like oh shit what do we do they should have been paying attention because that shit went exactly. in practice exactly like and, and it was it was not it didn't it didn't play out obviously well for the US but Jamie did an amazing job of and as long as those guys followed his direction they did exactly what they're supposed to do and it played out exactly how it should have played out mm. I mean Jamie's a master of that that's why his career yeah. was so long that's yeah. why not only did he win a lot but he won for so long he never you know very very rarely you have to go a long way back to see Jamie examples of Jamie riding above himself yeah like he just he knows exactly what yeah, it was do. always calculated yeah always calculated yeah. Yeah. and that's uh, to have to have that dude as he coach Jesus I know it was amazing he, he, did, he did an amazing job it's just, it's just funny because I know that you know my social media feed is half English and half American the reactions to the Olympics were very different from the Americans who watched it mm. and from the from the English people who watched it and that's racing and freestyle like ra- racing Dude, the day after the Olympics, English social media was just going nuts. Like, you, there was tumbleweed on American social media, and it wasn't until yeah. a couple of days later they were like, "Well, the only thing they were talking about was Connor's crash." Yeah. Like, and it, it was just like, dude, it's, it's, yeah. it's they're, so they had their tail between their legs. Yeah, and it's uh, they, you know, you would expect them to win, to win. And I, I think during the whole COVID thing, like the the way they were allowed to the the riders that are qualified from either side or any team in general it should have been revisited because there was a, a year and a half window when no one was really competing so people progressed pretty fast during those periods of time so I don't necessarily think the US had the right riders in there I, I, Daniel should have gone yep I mean that's easy to say in hindsight because the two that went they're both badasses and oh, they both, both, both could have laid down crazy ones but you know in hindsight especially coming into it I do realise it was all to do with the, that last, that last World Cup, but uh, yeah. he should have gone. But it's also a bummer. Like, like Nick was hurt. Do you think he should have gone? No. Like, he's a phenomenal rider. Like, he totally deserves it. But like, if you're not at the peak when you when you represent your comp- your country, you should be able to trade a dude out for your your best chance of winning and you can't blame him for going no 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 but that decision should be it's like you know i mean in athletics it doesn't matter 
it just matters about the American trials. That's all that matters. Like, it That's doesn't, why they do it right next to the event. It doesn't so they get the guys what, at the it best. It doesn't matter what it's brutal. you've done beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're the yeah, only person yeah, yeah. who's the, the winning gold medalist, I think, is the only person that gets invited back, maybe. But Well, that happened a lot in racing. People that qualified very early, and then by the time it came around, well, you're not actually the fastest dude, but he's qualified, so he's going, you know? Yeah, and that kind yeah. of. So you're not getting the best of the best. No. But. You know, I wish so that I wish there had been qualifying. I somebody. I, I mean, I, I I I do. You know, hats off to the guys who who helped do all that stuff. But like, yeah. Same with skateboarding. At the point where they said, "Well, we're only going to have nine people or ten people," somebody should have said no. Yeah. Somebody just said no. Same with skateboarding. Said no. Yeah. No way. Yeah. You've got to have qualifying. And you should have done that, and you would have seen so much more BMX action on TV. Agreed. But me and John ain't on that IBMXF panel anymore. So well, we don't freestyle, know. I think you guys have got a bit more pull than racing. Racing have no leverage, and nobody ruffles any feathers. Everyone just kind of go, yeah, okay, yeah. this is the way it is. All right, you know, and which is it's hard. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah. that was that was where I backed Matt, Matt and Dennis. Like that, they was spoke the, up. They 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 lost in the the battle, mm-hmm. but they they. Stood by their convictions and they're like, no, nope, this is how it's got to be. Integrity nope, for BMX. Yeah. yeah. Is and there that, a chance they might come back in or not really? Too much politics. I don't know. I'm out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I stepped out of it. Like Miron stepped out of it a long time ago. A bunch of people stepped out because it was just it was yeah draining into all that. It, it was it was draining and it was going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then then there was like radio silence and now all of a sudden there's this new entity that the uh, I can say feast but it's um they're called something else. I can't no, I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember the name. But, you know, once once that became a thing, it was like, okay, it's over for IBM XFF. So there's still a lot of tension with, like, Bart de Jong and Hoffman and everybody? I, f- I feel like there was initially, but I'm not, I don't know now. Yeah, I yeah. Know. I don't know. I yeah. mean, I, I hope not, because it's like, we all just want BMX to do well, you know? Like, we, all, we just want to give it the, the best opportunity to, you know, progress and grow and, in whatever form that may be kids are still going to go and ride dirt jumps and ride mm-hmm. street but you know there's a there's a there's a side of it that's going to be pointing your fingers pointing toes to make sure you perfect execution like that's just that's what the olympic looks for, the olympics looks for yeah you know they, they want they want the the uh perfect execution of everything landing smooth and yeah. and, and then and and there's no, and, know, that, and that's that the place is, for it that is, there's a place sport. for it that yeah yeah it. and that's once you once you get onto onto a competition level it's going to progress to that at some point, whether you like it or not. Because mm-hmm. people will get better. Yeah. 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 Pretty, pretty crazy. What's yeah. the uh, future for you? Uh, oh, man. Ooh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, still kind of doing the Anthony's thing for a little yeah. bit. I mean, it's a foreseeable future. I'm enjoying doing it. You know, it's having the relationship with the riders is good and the brand. Everyone, everyone at Anthony's or Soltech is amazing and, Good is people. Don still there? Yep, Don Brown is still there. Love him. Shout out. Pierre still runs the show. Nice. He's a, uh, you know, dude. He's a, he's he's up at four in the morning, driving to the warehouse on a Sunday morning. Just love him. He's crazy, but love him because he still sticks behind what we do. And there's got to be something said for that. Um, still kind of doing like on the side, building ramps and construction and stuff trying to get a little bike brand going on my own oh cool yeah it's just it's on the fringe of bmx but not bmx but kind of yeah, you're playing the wheelie game are you 
Give Wild nah, Man some comp? No, nah, no. Nah, it's my own. It's, well, I would say my own thing, but it's just a, a new version of something that's been. Oh, I mean, that's cool. Everything's yeah. been done before, right? Yeah, so, but it's still cool. Just fun. Yeah, right. Just, try, just trying to. Just trying to find some money, so anyone with some money out there, man. Trade you for some shoes. So you, I mean, Paul, you're a big, big, loyal Vans man and Etnis. Yeah, I mean, quite I've, a uh, quite I, a table here we have. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I obviously I'm uh, I know Don Brown um, from here, not from before here, but from here, and I like him a lot. He's he's a good friend. Um, I like you know it's the same with all brands. You know, I, I really like it when brands are supporting BMX, and then if they don't, it kind of takes a shine off it. But I also understand the business. Um, I, you know, out, outside of Vans, realistically, that's the only shoe brand other than Vans that has made any real deep impressions in BMX. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, like I said earlier, it's very hard to, that time when everyone was buying that Vallely 2 shoe, um, and Taj and Joe and Rooftop were on and Etnies was oh they have the, had a good BMX pro like it was a big deal man it's yeah, uh, outside it's of Vans it's probably the biggest indentation that anybody's any shoe company's made yeah. within BMX and it, it's you know it's, I should have really started this thing off with saying that you're probably like the most you're probably the most undercover famous BMX from back in the day like unless you are within the industry and, and going to all them things and had been there through it or you wouldn't have realised maybe I don't think that you were there because you're not you're not massive massive on social media and, and you were never like I said earlier you, you were never the one who was in the magazines all the time you got coverage and you and you got stuff but you were riding with people who were fucking raking it in on magazine contingency you rode with the SHL when that period was massive you rode with the POWs when that was massive it's uh, and then you know it's a lot of people probably don't know but you know from that from that era you know you talk about Etnie's indentation you know your your ripples within within BMX over that 30 35 year period like a lot of people don't know any of that but it's uh, you know it's those ripples are as big as as anybody really thanks Bob appreciate that deep history uh, let's finish it off with um, I don't know some of your favourite riders then and now Jesus <laughs> Jesus Christ you've ridden with some fucking people man <laughs> oh man um, David Haynes action bike uh, yeah uh, action bike test rider he's like probably my first hero just you speak of them a lot as well yeah yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he was just he was amazing he just, was one of them kids who like dylan could do manuals before anybody knew what yeah. a coaster wheelie was yeah he, he was he, he was style before there was style like mm -hmm. people force it these days but he was just looked fluid like looked good on a bike and remember always that? having fun as well oh, like, dude, so always amazing jumper just mm -hmm. so good um who else Shit! All the guys I rode with back in London, Lee Reynolds and Mike Canning and Dave Young and Stephen Laidlaw, Peppy Winder, Scott Carroll, Simon Simon Tabron. Um, Feel like I'm in an English magazine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, dude. I mean, I'm gonna forget a lot of people uh, in the U.S. Keith Trainer, obviously, you know the SHL BF. So many, like more and more modern times, like just Joe Taj, Rooftop, Chase Hawk, Nathan Williams, Devin Smiley, <laughs> uh, Brandon Semenuk. Like as a as a as a 
BMX fan and, and we're brands close to the bike riding fan, like just to get to hang around all of that and live all of that and see all yeah. of them dudes. You do could write that. a book, man. You got oh, a lot of lot man. of history and knowledge. Yeah, Ruben, Sergio Leos. Jesus Christ. So many people. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to remember. But yeah, that's a handful. If I forgot you, I apologize. Um, there's always more podcasts to come up. Yeah, Still, yeah. I always take Paul. There's a, we don't have to do, nail it all straight yeah, away. Put the whole, there's more. You the whole swim team in there. Yeah, as well, yeah, man. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, man. Like Dave Asado, Miron. Oh, shit. I forgot Miron. Thanks, Jay. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Dude, man. I mean, fuck. So many. So many. I've been lucky to be around a lot of them. Yeah, good stuff. I appreciate it, John. It was great talking. Ah, great listening to you and Paul. Like yeah. I said, I wanted Paul to take the kind of yeah. forefront on this one. I've known you obviously a long time, but I know Paul's deep more in his like freestyle and stuff, and I just I enjoyed listening to it. You know, that, cool. that three months on your couch was uh, absolute lifesaver. I, I was at your bachelor party. Yeah, got okay. the pictures. Yeah, don't yeah. turn on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. thanks, John. Thanks, thanks Paul. Dale. Thanks, Dale. Thanks, Paul. See ya.